Good morning and welcome to this Euractive uh, hybrid event, both uh, physical and online, which is kindly supported by Schneider Electric, the French energy and digital technology company. My name is Frédéric Simon, I'm the energy and environment editor of Euractive and I will be your host for today's event, which is titled Cracking the Decarbonization Code, How to Put Buildings at the Core of the Fit for 55 Package. Now, today's discussion on buildings comes just a few months after the Commission presented its uh, Fit for 55 uh, package of uh, energy and climate legislation, which is aimed at reducing the EU's emissions by 55% before the end of this decade. And it also comes just weeks now before the European Commission uh, presents another package of proposals, including uh, a revision of the Energy Performance of Buildings uh, Directive, which was last uh, revised in 2017. So uh, where do we stand now when it comes to the reduction of carbon emissions uh, from buildings? What more can the EU do in order to meet its updated 2030 decarbonisation objectives? And what role can digital technologies uh, play in this regard? Now, to discuss this topic today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Carlis Goldstein, member of Cabinet of Cadre Simpson, the EU's Energy Commissioner. He's joining us online, um, and I guess he will be joining in a few uh, minutes. On stage, we have uh, Sean Kelly, member of the European Parliament for the centre-right EPP uh, group. He's rapporteur on the implementation of the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive. Next to me is uh, Christelle Heidemann, CEO of Schneider Electric in charge of European operations. Oliver Rath at the far end, um, he's executive director of the Buildings Performance Institute Europe. And finally, we'll have Cecilia Bonefeld-Dahl, Director General of Digital Europe, the trade organization representing the European tech industry. Welcome to all of you, uh, and thanks for joining us today. We'll start this uh, conference with uh, short opening statements from uh, the speakers, um, and then we'll open the floor to questions from the audience, both uh, physically here and uh, online. To do that, uh, simply use the chat function uh, on the right-hand side of your screen, and we will take questions directly from there. I think that's all for me for the introduction. So without further ado, uh, we can move straight to uh, Sean Kelly, because I think Carlis Goldstein is uh, not yet with us. So Sean Kelly, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, and delighted to be with you. And thanks to Schneider Electric and Euractive for inviting me to partake in this very timely and interesting discussion on how to put buildings at the core of the Fit for 55 package. 2020 tied with 2016 as the hottest year since recording started in the late 19th century. And with storms, floods and wildfires intensifying across the world, the time to act on climate change is narrowing. It is clear that addressing sustainability challenges and climate change would be pivotal to the future of our economies. And the cost of interaction now would be far exceeded by the costs involved with adaptation never mind the social and political instability this will create. It is an existential problem, and while targets are needed, what we really need is the proper political steps to achieve them. 
as buildings are responsible for 36% of greenhouse gas emissions and 40% of energy consumption in the EU, any successful climate strategy must centrally consider both residential and commercial buildings. Essentially, climate considerations need to factor into planning, design, construction, operation, and end-of-life recycling or renewable, renewal of buildings. While considering energy, water, indoor environmental quality, material selection and location. In Europe today, 75% of buildings are not energy efficient. And with approximately 85 to 90% of those remaining in use until at least 2050. This clearly shows the dire need to upgrade the energy efficiency of existing buildings as we cannot just concern ourselves with new builds. The Energy Performance of Buildings Directive is the main EU legal level instrument for decarbonising member states' building stock. However, buildings stand at a nexus of EU policy with other legislation such as the Energy Efficiency Directive and the Renewable Energy Directive playing a big role amongst others. Therefore, we must make sure that there is coherence amongst the Fit for 55 package. Even since 2018, our ability to utilise data has dramatically improved. The revision of the EPPD should also serve to further promote smart buildings technologies and foster a data-centric approach. Using advancements in technology, we must take an approach based on the measured energy saved as opposed to estimations. This will drive down the cost and increase both the quality and scale of the energy efficiency retrofits for existing buildings. Therefore, we should create a framework to leverage the use of data to improve transparency, develop benchmarks and guide policy decisions, as well as improve actual energy consumption. For action to become reality, member states must invest in capacity building, technical assistance and on upskilling and reskilling policies to realize the twin transition of a green and digital transition. There is a need for a EU skills initiative that enables intermediaries such as installers, architects or contractors to advise, prescribe or install relevant solutions for energy efficient programs and to decarbonize building stock. Lastly, renovations are labour intensive and the industry is dominated by local businesses and SMEs. I firmly believe that ambitious renovation schemes can inject much needed stimulus into local economies. I will leave it there for my opening remarks and can take some questions subsequently. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sean Kelly. And I heard that uh, Kelly Goldstein has uh, now uh, joined us and is ready to give his opening statement. Kelly, the floor is yours now. Hello and uh, good afternoon. I hope that the connection is good from it's one fine, corner yes. of Brussels to the other. <laughs> Thanks very much, Frederick. Uh, thanks for the opening. I think that uh, what uh, uh, Sean said is, is really at the core of uh, what we're looking at right now. So giving you the bigger picture, the importance of decarbonization has never been as high on the political agenda as it is now. Uh, this has been building up for a number of years but with the new political leadership of the Commission since uh, 2019, we have been uh, working to make the Green Deal a reality. First, uh, by proposing the European climate law, which was unanimously accepted. 
but that's not the end of the story, right? That's rather the beginning of the story, I suppose, and of the transition. Uh, after that, uh, there are uh, funds made available uh, for recovery and, uh, and resilience uh, purposes. And we are also uh, creating legislation. So on the legislation made reference to the Fit for 55 package, we have uh, still some proposals to come, notably the EPBD. And what is the potential of, uh, of that piece of law? Well, first of all, we all, so there's obviously the productivity angle, there's the health angle, uh, and uh, there's the energy and mobility vector. Why I mention mobility is because uh, we know that uh, transport uh, takes us 90% of the time from one building to another. So walks in the energy performance of buildings uh, to, to deliver us a good uh, working environment. For this, we're upgrading also the electromobility aspects of the EVPD. But what's at the, the core of the work that we're doing? Now that's to integrate all the renewable energy sources that we have uh, into end use sectors. Um, in the case of the EPBD, it means buildings, um, which are a big greenhouse gas emitter today, hopefully not uh, in 20, 30 years time anymore. Uh, and they are big energy consumers. Now, one might ask, why do we deal with energy efficiency if uh, renewables are already being dealt with? Um, it's quite obvious that if you have a high energy consumption, uh, then it will be more costly to put in place all the generation capacities that are necessary to cover that demand and to green the buildings. So energy efficiency and renewable policy goes hand in hand. The prime example now the Commission has proposed that uh, we will look at the minimum energy performance standards of buildings. This is still on the table because we see that uh, Europe will need to transform in an orderly and timed manner towards decarbonized buildings. And let me be clear, the industry has contributed a lot to decarbonization, so has the power generation but buildings and transport still have a lot to do. And for that to be a realistic goal, uh, we need to set a clear roadmap. The European roadmap will come from the Commission, but of course the member states will then complement this by, by their own planning. So what we're doing now is to address the obstacles that we can the European level to remove them and to uh, allow the renovation wave to really take off. So to conclude, I think that this 
will be a very busy year uh, ahead of us uh, in 2022. That's because the entire Fit for 55 package will need to uh, be uh, consistent. Uh, the EPBD will need to catch up with uh, the RED and the EED. And then, of course, we'll be setting a roadmap for, for uh, zero emission buildings in the long run. So, thank you very much. And... Uh, Thanks. Uh, thanks, Carlis. Um, I think your connection is, is breaking off a little bit, but we, we got the essential of what you said. Uh, let me turn now to Christelle Heidemann. So, so, I mean, a lot has been said already, and I think we all agree that if we want to achieve the 2030, and I'm not even talking about 2050, but uh, target and, and reduction of 55% of, uh, of, of carbon emissions, tackling the challenge of building renovation is absolutely critical. And it's clear that even though there's been a lot of already money injected in the economy on building renovation and, and recently with the next generation EU funds, still we're not going to be able to achieve it unless we really have a step change happening and, and we are convinced that digital technologies are a key, enables, a key enabler to accelerate that. And it's been mentioned, we need to use data, we need to use all the technology available to create, first of all, some benchmarks and references and, and to focus the investment on where we need to go and, 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 and move fast on those building renovation. The building renovation market is very fragmented and we know why. It's the fragmentation of the market itself, the building market, but it's also the lack of harmonization in Europe on just, let's take, I mean, performance certificate for buildings, and that's, that's one of the topics that the, the, the new directive will, will address, but there are still huge diversities, and, and, and that does not help then to scale the know-how and just the understanding also of, uh, of people just who, who use those buildings. And, and the other challenge, and it's been mentioned, buildings are absolutely critical as well with uh, electric mobility now, I mean, we need to take into account technical systems that sit in building, and, we, and we've been investing a lot on building renovation, fo focusing on passive technology, isolation of building, which obviously is one aspect of building renovation, but technical system, whether it's HVAC system, whether it's charging infrastructure tomorrow for EV cars, are critical, and more and more measuring also the performance of building with metering solutions and I would say in the world of tomorrow where energy will be a lot more decentralized and, and with the challenge of energy renewable in the system, we also need to take into account more and more power quality. And there are a lot of technologies available to do that. And, and we should make sure that we integrate that as we move forward, especially when we look at the roadmap of 2030, which is a long time when we talk about digital, uh, digital technology. And even though we could say that the, the, the building renovation industry has not adopted all, all of those technologies. It's our job then as industrial players, and we are working to make sure that we develop standards, and this is where we absolutely need to work at the European level to make sure that we create a market where we can deploy the standards, the I mean, smart readiness indicators, digital logbook. I mean, there are a lot of things that we talk about when we think about creating 
uh, European market for building renovation and applying digital technologies in buildings. But a lot still has to be done to make sure that we again harmonize more, learn from the best practices. And, and, and we always talk about, I mean, energy performance of buildings. We look at primary energy. Uh, some countries are actually more advanced, looking at really at the real performance of buildings. And they are even setting ambitious targets, which is also absolutely key, because unless we give end objectives like achieving that level of performance for building by 2030 and giving a roadmap even 2030, 2040, 2050, like any industrial players who are planning in advance, I mean, building asset owners, they, they manage their assets as, I mean, on 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So, so having a clear roadmap is absolutely key as well with some, uh, some key milestones with some uh, mandatory, I would say, measures at some point if we want to achieve those, uh, those targets. And, and we could go into a lot of debates on residential buildings, uh, commercial buildings, all of them have to be tackled and all of them would, would apply, I would say, the same philosophy and the same methodology, which is, yes, we need to tackle passive renovation of buildings, but also active energy management more and more. And, as we s and I believe that with electric cars coming, consumers and, and users of cars will be more and more aware about what is energy consumption because they got used, they, are, they will be used to, I would say, measuring, I mean, uh, electricity to charge their car. Same would, should be true also for using buildings as, uh, as I would say, consumers in uh, residential homes, but also as uh, workers in, uh, in commercial buildings. Okay, thank you, uh, Christelle Edman, for this. Uh, let me turn now to Oliver Rapp from BPIE. Well, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a great pleasure to be here and actually to meet people physically again. And it's great that we have a hybrid event here with many people watching. Um, when we look at what the EPBD should do, of course, it needs to be fit for 55. That's a typical way to express it in a Brussels jargon. But in fact, if you look at um, some of the detailed documents uh, of the European Commission on the expectations for the building sector, the scenarios in that say that the building sector should reduce by 60% its greenhouse gas emissions. So we, we need to have that figure in mind. We're talking about minus 60 for the building sector. By 2030. Um, by 2030, that's what's in the staff working document, for example, which I'm, I'm sure Carlis uh, knows very well. And um, so that's, that's the ambition. We also need to be clear that um, we need to align it with the Paris Agreement. We now have the COP, we have a lot of declarations of intent, and that's wonderful. And uh, Carlis Goldstein also said the topic is very high on the political agenda, but we need to translate that political will into real action. And that's why I think that um, the building's legislation also needs to take people into account. In the end, buildings are for citizens. We spend our life in buildings, so we need to make sure that the future legislati legislation makes buildings affordable, keeps them affordable, while make them healthier and comfortable and more energy efficient. And all that means in the end that we need to have a very uh, comprehensive transformation. And that's not going to happen overnight. That, that, leads, that, that needs a lot of guidance. It needs something like a, a master plan. Um, Carl has called it uh, a roadmap. Whatever we call it, it needs to be crystal clear what is expected. 
And I see three main elements for that. First of all, we really need to make sure that we phase out inefficient buildings. And with phasing out inefficient buildings, I don't mean to destroy them. What I actually mean is that we make sure that the most inefficient buildings are deeply renovated as quickly as possible, and that this is mandatory. We have a lot of large uh, real estate owners in Europe, large companies which manage large portfolios. I think we really need to address them, first of all, to increase the energy performance of buildings. And second, I think when it comes to new buildings, we simply need to have a zero carbon standard. Buildings which are built newly today should not be renovated to be completely climate neutral by 2050. We can just not afford that. So we need to have strong standards for new buildings. And when it comes to enabling the transformation, I think what we first of all need to do is to really boost innovation in the construction sector because the construction sector needs to deliver a threefold increase of the renovation rate. But when we look at the challenge for deep renovation, we actually know that Today, the deep renovation is only at 0.2% of all renovations happening. If we want to achieve the 2030 climate goal, it's a very simple mathematical exercise. We need to increase the deep renovation rate by a factor of 15. And that doesn't happen with uh, increasing the workforce by a factor of 15. That's impossible. It only works by increasing the productivity of the construction sector by a factor 15. And that's a major challenge where I think we need all tools we have there. Digitalization is core and center, but also prefabrication, having renovation solutions at an industrial scale will be essential. So just some ideas. I think we'll come to some more details probably in the Q&A session. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, uh, Oliver. And to close the round of opening statements, uh, I'm now turning to Cecilia bonefeld Dahl. Thank you so much. So first of all, thank you to, so much uh, to Snyder. I think it's a great example of how in 2018 Digital Europe started discussing green and digital and how can we actually uh, make those two come together. And uh, our members have really taken a leadership in communicating what digital really can do for, uh, for bringing down the CO2 levels. And, and we've just published last week uh, a, big, um, a big publication on 22 cases, concrete cases on how digital technologies can bring down CO2 levels, amongst others in buildings. Um, I would say, first of all, the, the technology is here. Uh, we have um, um, we have uh, building uh, inf information modeling. We have a digital twin. So basically, this means that even before we we build the buildings, we can actually uh, see how much energy will it consume. Where will the biggest cons uh, um, uh, use of of energy actually uh, be? How can we reduce it? Uh, how can we optimize? And when we, as we are building, we can actually connect all this, this real building to the digital twin and make sure that it monitors the energy consumption all the time. So if it gets out of hand, it's controlled and contained. So why is it that this is not just a fact? Why is it not just always done? Well, I, d I do think I, I totally agree with you and the former f speaker that it's all about implementation. How can we bring up the innovation level? How can we make sure that 
education, innovation, really a heavy investment in making showcases, investing in new buildings with these latest technologies are a, f a fact and, and a part of the renovation wave and, and other recovery funds. Um, then, of course, regulation is, is also a part of this. I mean, how do we make sure that we have concrete targets, that we have pressure on measuring, uh, that we can see, that we can actually have measures and indicators that we can, um, that people understand and can use actively in the energy, uh, bringing down the energy consumption? Um, I think for, for anything that has to do with buildings and bringing down, there is no transformation if digital is not a part of it. And right now we have a construction sector where that is not really perceived as a fact. So we need to get ourselves into a position where both the, the, um, the, the, um, the energy, uh, the energy, um, the, sorry, the energy performance building directive has a clear, um, a clear indicators and targets on how we can use technology and, and measuring it, but also how we can invest in the right, um, you can say, pilot projects uh, to basically make this a fact on, uh, on ground on how uh, we educate the construction sector in, in implementing this. The technology is there, um, for sure. It's, a, it's actually a question of, uh, of drivers and of incentives, not least. Um, on the incentive side, of course, I mean, public buildings is also a fact. So how can we make sure that tenders are actually reflecting this, that the public sector is taking also a lead in saying, well, we will actually be the first who are taking this serious, and in our tenders, we will not only measure on price, but we will actually go to a zero-sum game on energy. How can we bring down and, and implement these technology solutions up front with the vendors that shows this innovation? And really, I mean, this is one of the areas where Europe can really lead. Um, if we look at these platforms that can monitor the energy consumption, these are scalable solutions that can basically be used across the board, across border amongst others, and where we have very strong p players like, for example, Schneider, um, who, uh, who are leading uh, on technologies on these areas. So I really feel that, that the public sector should take one of these leadership positions and make sure that this is one of the first areas where this is implemented. Thank you very much, Cecilia. So we can turn now to uh, the, uh, the Q&A session. And I will start maybe by asking um, all the speakers uh, to give your views about uh, first taking stock of the existing energy performance of buildings directive. Uh, how far have we gone in implementing it? And do you see uh, gaps looking forward now to the revision of the PBD and the increased uh, climate ambition that we have adopted since it was last revised uh, in 2017? And maybe we can start with you, Carlis uh, Goldstein, to give us a view from, from the European Commission. How do you see uh, this, uh, this debate now just a few weeks before um, uh, you'll be coming out with the revised proposal? Thanks very much, uh, Frederick, and sorry for the connection. Uh, I suppose the, uh, the servers uh, run narrow at some point. Um, right now, the question is how to ensure that the transition is, first of all, swift and quick, 
But secondly, and possibly even more importantly, fair and just. So the question for us is um, working together now with the stakeholders, working together with the industry solution uh, providers, uh, how can we uh, make sure that the ecosystem is there to ramp up step-by-step -step renovation so that we avoid the bottlenecks, as I mentioned uh, in my opening remarks, because what does a bottleneck uh, mean? It means basically that costs might go up and or the stakeholders might not be satisfied with uh, the, the results that they get. So what is important now to get the renovation wave uh, rolling is to build trust. Uh, this can be, of course, uh, supported by uh, the transparency of renovation, information that is given, um, also regulatory uh, evolutions that we'll see now with co-legislators. But the key point here is, first of all, to bring people's attention to renovation uh, as such and to explain why it's beneficial to the European Union and to them individually. And then secondly, to make it a pleasant uh, client experience, if we can say it like that. And clients, I mean by, by the broad sense. So the member states, uh, the local authorities, uh, the sector, and then the, the entities uh, contracting uh, the actual works. So, uh, what I'm saying here that there is a big need to bring people together and create uh, momentum behind this. As the European Commission, we're fully committed and uh, this is what the EPBD will be about, in fact, bringing people together for this uh, uh, joint effort. Thank you. Thanks, Carlos uh, Goldstein, for this. Maybe, Sean Kelly, um, since you're a rapporteur on the implementation of the PBD, can you tell us where you see um, the biggest gaps between uh, what is needed to now get us to the new updated 2030 target and how the EPB, EPBD looks today? Yes, indeed. Thank you. I think, first of all, we aren't starting from zero. In fairness to the Energy Performance Buildings Directive, it has had successes. It has created the need for minimum performance levels in buildings. It started reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, improvement in the renewable use of or the renewable energy being used in buildings. And also, the point that Carlos mentioned, I think there's a growing awareness amongst the public at large and particularly those who are living in houses, which everybody has to, that they are looking at the performance of their house in terms of efficiency and would like to improve it. Now, the, one of the big weaknesses thus far in looking at the implementation of the directive is that the LTRSs, the long-term innovation strategies, are not sufficient, which is uh, not good enough. And indeed, one country didn't even get to uh, submitting its long-term innovation strategy. So what we're recommending is that <coughs> rather than leaving it up to 27 uh, member states to come up with different types of approaches, that we should give them guidance. And we have asked that there will be a template produced by the Commission when they do 
the recast of the directive, incorporating the points that Celia and my other colleagues have mentioned, so that all these things are integrated, and then there would be guidelines for the member states. So they can't waffle on generally. They have to look at these areas, particularly the whole question of digitalization, as you were saying. And then, of course, <coughs> looking at it from a practical point of view, it is one thing to have regulation, but then the regulation has to be monitored. So I would say two things that we would be emphasizing. One, a template, and two, monitoring. And then, of course, we have to have the raw materials and the skills and the workforce. And if we're talking about increasing by 15%, that means a lot more jobs. But are they going to be qualified? So that's a big question as well. So they're the things we need to look at to make it happen. But in fairness, we're not starting from zero. What we need to do is speed it up and coordinate it better. Uh, Christelle Heidemann, what is your take on the, the current state of the PBD and what more needs to happen now to meet those more ambitious 2030 objectives? Yeah, it, it's been said, so we're not starting from uh, from scratch, but, but clearly we are not where we should be and not at the right pace, and it's been said, and I don't know if it's 15 times or 10 times or, or 20 times, but in any case, it's a step change that's required. And if I take just the, the, the tertiary market of buildings, I mean, many corporations are taking carbon neutral commitments. Uh, by 2030, by 2040. I mean, the building space is probably the easiest to tackle when we talk about commercial buildings. And, and when a company like Schneider or any large company is taking those type of commitments, and when we make a rent for 9, 10, 12 years, I mean, the discussion with building asset owners is very quickly coming on how is the building's performance and indeed the comment on making sure we can monitor whatever is being done. So there's obviously a patchwork of situation across Europe amongst countries, but even the most advanced countries still do not implement, I would say, monitoring solution. And that's the only way, unless we use tech digital solution and data to measure and then to benchmark and then to compare, this is where things can accelerate very quickly because the, the co I'm, I'm not talking about, I mean, citizenship and houses, there's a lot of social aspect as well on building renovation, which have to be taken care of. And focusing indeed on the most non-efficient building is absolutely a priority. And here again, data and digital technology can help us. But we, if we focus on tertiary building, many studies show that we can very quickly achieve 20 to 30% energy efficiency on buildings by just measuring, the day people start to measure, but that's true also for residential buildings. When people start to compare with their neighbors, with their neighborhood, then they, they want to do good, but they just don't have the data. So that's, that's really where we are really lacking uh, a situation. And, and again, uh, we've been focusing a lot on the current EPBD deployment on, on, on passive and, and, and walls and building and isolation. Now, technical building system, I mean, a, a company who wants carbon neutral uh, real estate will never move into a building where there's a gas heating system. So it's as simple as that, but we will have to tackle that. And I'm not even talking about installing, I mean, EV charging, renewable energy and decentralized systems. So, so all of that are really still to be done. So we're not starting from scratch, but given the acceleration that's required, there's really a lot to do. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Cecilia Bonfeldal, maybe uh, your take on where do you think are the major gaps with the existing EPBD and 
how do you think uh, these should be filled looking forward to 2030? I mean, so once digital enters these kind of very uh, specific areas of constructions, data is at the heart of it, right? And I think, first of all, I want to say I think we are quite lucky in Europe because we have the GDPR. It means that we have clear rules on, on data usage, which has been in the past, you know, uh, one of the problems. When does it turn personal data, etc.? But this should be, a, we should be able to clarify that. And second of all, um, I mean, data standards to make sure that we can actually have comparable standards. So one thing is, you said compare with your neighbor, but if, what if you want to compare with your neighbor country in Europe? How do you actually benchmark if you have totally different data standards and indicators? So this has to be a central part of this, uh, part of it, really to define the data standards and, and uh, the measuring standards um, that, um, that we can measure what does consumption actually mean. And then, of course, when we talk at the about the energy performance uh, certificates, that we have a common understanding of how to certify uh, energy performance. Um, and then, uh, f from jumping from uh, from the regulation, maybe jumping down to the to the incentives again. I mean, how can we make sure that we also, for example, on arch with architects, where it all starts, they are designing the buildings, that they actually have a education in how to use technology and measurement th me methodologies. So um, back to the innovation that uh, that was mentioned. Um, we need to think innovation already in the education, but also as a part of the recovery funds that we will launch right now uh, and the re renovation wave. How can we make sure that they actually have the skills at the start of the process uh, to, to implement what is already there? Because it's not a question of the technologies, it's a question about the standards, the indicators, and actually the knowledge uh, of do how to do it. Thanks, Cecilia. Um, so uh, let me turn uh, back to Carlis Goldstein uh, now. Um, I mean, a lot of speakers mentioned uh, the need for harmonized, standardized uh, data um, on, on buildings generated by them. Um, I understand this is one of the areas in which the Commission uh, is working. There is this idea of creating common European data spaces, for example. Can you maybe explain a little bit more, uh, Carlis, the approach that the European Commission is taking to this? Thank you very much. Data is, of course, at the core of uh, any action. So if we want to renovate, we need to know, first of all, what buildings are we dealing with, uh, the amount or rate of their improvement, and, of course, the progress towards the uh, end result of decarbonizing or de-emissionizing um, the buildings. So um, what we're doing now, well, starts with planning, of course, and people at the panel already mentioned that the situation on the long-term renovation strategies could be improved so we're looking at ways how to improve that specifically do we need more detailed data do we need to change the the timing or the structure uh, how can we make better use of this then of course the let's say grassroots level where the data comes from so the buildings themselves Member states don't always have access to information related to buildings, even aggregate one. So what we want to make sure that the uh, interface that we have, or the commission, which is the member states, that the member states have an overview of the building stock so that they can make those plans for decarbonization. And then fundamentally, the buildings themselves uh, need to be mapped 
So the EPCs are already in place, as a, as Sean kindly mentioned out. Uh, there are elements in the EPVD that are already very useful. However, we can make them better. So uh, it means that uh, the, the contents of the EPCs uh, will undergo a very detailed analysis and also the way how uh, we can use them. Um, especially when uh, the buildings or building units are being sold or uh, rented or when there are uh, renovation interventions. So the data should be, first of all, available to the decision maker. Uh, the owner or the tenant should know um, what situation their building is in. Also have recommendations on where to, to go or where to, uh, let's say, pick the the next apple and uh, all of this has to be uh, logged the transparency of the the building sector and uh, um, the the proven performance will be a key aspect here because uh, if people invest they want to get something in return and uh, this is a critical element of uh, of the trust that we're trying to build so um, in addition to the uh, EPCs we're going to introduce the digital building logbooks uh, so that people have a, a roadmap uh, and an overview of uh, how to improve the building's performance. And finally, all of this builds uh, back to regulation uh, because if we see uh, the improvement of the building stock, we can uh, follow or rather the member states can design better targeted measures to catch up. So what you're saying uh, on, on data is really crucial from consumer to, to policy. Thank you. Thanks, Carlis. So let me turn to Christelle Heidemann. How do you see this common European data space, if we can call it like this, for, for building data? Um, I mean, obviously, you're pushing for more of this data to be shared, but then that requires also standardization. How is the industry organizing itself when it comes to the standardization of data? And is this something that you've been discussing as well internally, uh, Christelle? So, so there's different type of data because not everything will be real-time data with huge database where we need... So if we talk about the energy performance certificate of building, that's one type of data. That's actually the outcome of compiling several types of data where the work is not exactly on the creating a large database. It's more on making sure we take into account all the required data to then harmonize the way we define energy performance certificate. And then as an industry, what we do is working on developing tools that make it simple then for all the value chain, the very fragmented industry of building from decision owners. And, and I have examples of what we do in some countries, which are industry initiatives. So I'm not talking Schneider Electric, I'm talking industry initiative where developed tools so that public building owners can quickly assess based on a number of key data inputs what type of solution they should follow. So these are not just, I mean, the equipment industry, it's really the whole building industry working together on defining common path from, again, it's the equivalent of energy performance certificate for any type of building. And these are not, again, real-time data. When it comes to more, I mean, working in an harmonized manner, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's really then the energy system. When we think about 
running building stock and, and we start more and more to think about smart readiness indicator, flexibility of buildings tomorrow. So the energy system will require a lot of data tomorrow to cope with when we reach 30 to 40% of electric consumption in buildings coming from charging cars. That's going to be really, I mean, that will require a lot more real-time type of data for more electrical distributors, I would say DSOs, to really manage the energy system. So there will be different type of data, whether we look at the energy system, the building itself, and then when it comes to designing the buildings, and so we talk a lot of our BIM, and we've, we've acquired a number of companies that are specialized in I mean, either data in operating buildings, and I have in mind a company, Planon, that's a, a Dutch company, that's really providing platform for facility managers then with benchmark type of data so that they can co I mean, connect all type of data coming from technical equipments. And, and this type of data on, on technical equipment, these are already standardized type of data because we have EU standards and, and these are industry standards. Uh, but then when it comes to creating the right benchmark to, to optimize operations, these are still areas where people are building their own IP. I mean, every facility manager, they, they learn on the field, but, but by sharing data, helping to benchmark. So this is a, a place where as software players, we uh, provide some solutions. Uh, but another area on which uh, we work very actively with enterprises, we help them compare and, 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 and the feeding tools by all their energy bills. It's as simple as that, but just comparing the performance of building at a macro level, at an enterprise level, by just comparing energy bills. It's another way to look at data. So, so there's not such thing as one big data lake of data. It's really focusing on the, the different journey from the design phase with architects indeed, where BIM uh, is, is key. And, and there we, we provide, I mean, as an industry, we provide, I would say, digital twin of technical equipments. And it's as simple as that, but that's where it starts because indeed the, the BIM is, uh, I mean, there are a number of, I mean, uh, companies providing uh, very, I mean, well-known uh, software that architects use. And then we provide standard data, which are really digital twins that can go in this design phase. But the, very often the challenge is moving from the design phase to the construction phase. There's already a big, normally uh, a break, I would say, in the, in the digital journey. And then moving into operations, this is another set of data that really are required to, be, to, to make those buildings uh, efficient and to run them efficiently. Thank you, uh, Cecilia Bonferdal. Uh, maybe you can add uh, to what Christelle just said. I'd, I'd just be curious to know, uh, how far has the industry gone when it comes to standardization of data exchanges uh, and also in terms of the interoperability of the different platforms because companies like Schneider may be developing their own uh, platform, other companies probably developing their own as well. Um, how do you make sure that all of that, uh, all of these systems can talk to each other? I mean, of course, in, in, uh, in, in tech, there are certain standards for a lot of things. But there is, as, as Crystal said, still a journey. And, um, I mean, we started in Digital Europe a Green Deal working group, um, I think, a year ago. And under that, we have several different working groups working on, on amongst others, buildings. Um, and we've seen an inflow of companies, basically, who are of competence, either in software solutions or in design solutions, etc. So we are trying to be that part where the industry comes together with the traditional players, basically to discuss how to create these standards. Um, the Commission has also launched now um, the Green Deal Coalition, 
where uh, we hope to be uh, one of the players really playing that role to be the outreach partner towards other industries. Um, there is still, uh, still a job to be done, and you're talking about a data space. That data space will have to, be, as, uh, as Crystal said, will have to be quite multidimensional, weather information, uh, transportation information, maintenance, main, uh, design information. So uh, there is still a long way to go, but, but I think that is a part of the journey, uh, how to basically uh, facilitate data sharing uh, within this sector. Without that, it will not happen. It will simply not happen because they will not, the the players on the field, the 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 the, the citizens, but also the the public sector or the companies or the construction companies will not have the benefit if they are not able to measure what is the benefit of the investment that we took uh, implementing this uh, these technologies. So uh, so it is a part of the journey, basically having those standards and defining exactly how data exchange is uh, it will be in the future. Okay, thanks. Uh, Sean Kelly, maybe a view uh, now from where you stand in the European Parliament. How do you see the conversation about data standardization, interoperability of, of data in this uh, building uh, sphere? Is that one of the areas that you're looking into? Absolutely, because <coughs> as both Crystal and Cecilia have pointed out, this is going to be crucial if we're going to make the progress we need. And obviously, we need also to get the best practitioners and the geniuses in these areas together. And I think that we have to look at some kind of a, a system where we get the member states compulsorily together to look at where we are now, what we need to do in the future, what's available, especially in relation to data, and then to be able to utilize it properly. Because we have made a lot of progress, but really we're kind of starting again now, ramping up the whole approach, which is right, because it's part of Fit for 55, but we won't be able to do it unless we have that coordination across all sectors involved in it. And while Oliver was saying a moment ago that for modern buildings, new buildings, we have to ensure they're uh, net zero. In actual fact, we should be ensuring that they're actually producing energy. That should be actually part of it. So, and that then, as you point out, all this has to be measured because this will help people to actually say, this is progress. I'm actually uh, ensuring that my house or the building that I own, which could be, as you said, many of them or many rich people will say own multiple houses or apartments. So that all has to be taken into consideration. And then, of course, you have the public buildings and there's no excuse for a member state that doesn't have its public buildings in order from now on, and especially any uh, new builds, because you have all those aspects. You have the retrofitting of the buildings that are there. You have the building, the new buildings. Then you have, and I think we need to set also kind of uh, targets or benchmarks along the way. There's no point in having a target for 2030 and then another one for 2050. We need to, for instance, look at uh, oil boilers being used across Europe set a date when they're gone and replaced by heat pumps or whatever. The same is true for buildings, and this applies particularly to agriculture, uh, where you have huge buildings across Europe, no solar panels on them. So that kind of thing, I think we need to set kind of uh, uh, targets in between as well to achieve all these things and then be able to monitor it and show how it's utilized. As you said in relation to data, 
with very clear guidelines because I was a rapporteur for the GDPR. Sometimes I'm half afraid to mention it <laughs> because some people view it positively, other negatively. But definitely we have the base, the basis to utilise the data and to utilise the best practices across Europe. But we need also to create an incentive. And I think one of the things we need to do also at member state level, which I would hope would be part of the, uh, the recast of the directive, is a kind of a, a one-stop shop within member states and those one-stop shops would obviously facilitate renovation for everybody in their own member state, but also bring them together, like uh, we would have done in relation to data generally, the commissions bring them together at European level, a kind of a board where they would be looking at what is available, what's being done, what's best practice, where there are deficiencies, and move them on. But if you don't have interim targets, as well as long-term targets and monitoring on a constant basis, then there's a danger that this will slip off the radar and it will be uh, not achieved. Thanks, Sean Kelly. Uh, a quick uh, remark now by Oliver Rapp, maybe on, on data and the need for standardization. And maybe I'll tie this in together with a question coming from the audience, which is about the uh, electrical installations uh, themselves, which uh, some see uh, as the backbone of the new decarbonized uh, buildings. Um, so uh, they must be safe, smart, ready, and efficient. Should they not be considered as a central technical building system into the EPBD? Uh, what do you think of this, Oliver? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's it's reassuring to hear that industry has the products already at hand and is developing new standards and that it's all there. I think the big piece which is currently missing is the legislation which is really driving the market and which is really increasing renovation and which really has higher standards for new buildings. Because if that legislation was there, if the market was there, I think you would see an enormous growth in the uptake of these um, technologies. And I think the future of buildings is really a role in the energy system where the building is fully integrated. And of course, it includes charging infrastructure. Well, not only for your electric car, but actually also for your electric bike, for everything that a consumer wants in a building. That's clear. But we need to make sure that the legislation creates that market, and when the legislation is agreed in Brussels, that the member states actually really implement it in the spirit it was designed, because we have an implementation gap. We discussed earlier about the, well, the old EPBD and why it's now being revised. It's being revised because it's not fit for purpose anymore, but we also need to strengthen the implementation. When we look at, for example, how member states have defined the standards for new buildings, the nearly zero energy building standards, which are in place or in effect since January this year, we know that a lot of them still allow fossil fuels to be part of new buildings. We know that means they're not really future-proof. So I think um, it is great to have industry producing, developing all these tools, and of course digitalization is the way ahead, but without strong monitoring of the implementation, and without you know, potential infringement processes wherever needed, we're not going to have the renovation market or the market for zero carbon buildings. 
Thanks, Oliver. Um, we'll close very quickly with a, a round of uh, statements. What you would like our audience today to uh, take home with them as, as the main message. Um, and we can start uh, with you, maybe, Carlis Goldstein. Thank you very much. Know your building. That would be my suggestion. Uh, beyond that, uh, I think that the technologies are out there. And in order to decarbonize, we're working hard so that you would have enough renewable energy uh, at your disposal to use it and uh, the supportive environment to make your building more efficient. Thank you. Thanks, Carlis. Uh, Sean Kelly, your uh, key message. My key message would be that we have no time to waste. We have a lot of information, a lot of data, some great companies like we've here today. But I think the key aspect will be that each member state would have, by this time next year, a very clear roadmap of how they're going to go from 1% public buildings to 2% very quickly, and also for uh, private and residential, commercial and other buildings as well. I think we just have to say all this has to be done next year because 2030 is now, this time next year, it will only be seven or eight years away. Thanks. Christelle Heidemann, your own main message. I mean, I think it's, it's been said, so it's really, I mean, we have 10 years in front of us, which will be critical to, to, to make it uh, happen. And so no time, no time to waste. And really, everything starts by measuring, comparing, benchmarking. So uh, whether, as Carlis was saying, know your buildings, that's, that's really it. Okay. Uh, Oliver Rapp, your own uh, concluding words? I think we need three things. We need really strong performance standards for new and existing buildings. We need a very convincing service offer from the construction industry ecosystem to make it really dead easy to choose a zero carbon building or to choose a deep renovation. And third, we need to have all the systems in place to monitor our progress towards a full Paris Agreement alignment. Thank you. Uh, Cecilia Bonfeldel, you have the privilege of closing. Well, I think the message, uh, not to repeat the great points made, um, is that the technology is there. It's not what's missing. Um, it seems that now, very soon, the targets and uh, the regulations will be in place, but the proof is in the pudding. Um, and uh, we also need to be enable the people who are actually going to implement this uh, to do so. So before all this, or I would say in parallel with all this, the programs of implementation should be very quickly in place. So who are the first people to educate? Um, what are the projects, the pilot, that will show the way and teach people real life how to actually do this and implement this? You know, without the skills, we have had many other um, uh, areas where Europe have lagged behind. Uh, on, uh, on technology development, let let not this one be one of them uh, because we didn't know how to implement. We have the companies, we have the regulation, we have the GDPR, like it or not. Uh, we have something as a ground uh, ground rules. We have all the elements. What we knew and need now is basically also the concrete targets and the the concrete implementation. 
Thank you very much, Cecilia Bonfeldal. Uh, I think this wraps up uh, today's event. A big thanks to Schneider Electric for supporting it. A big thanks as well to our audience, both online and physical, uh, today here in the room. If you missed the beginning of this debate, you can uh, watch it again on YouTube and other social media platforms. And in case you'd like to know more about upcoming events, uh, please take a look at events.youractive.com. That's all for me. I hope to see you again soon. Have a good day.